It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the BBC Countryfile magazine podcast and a brand new series of 12 fantastic episodes. My name is Fergus Collins. I'm the editor of the magazine and host of this podcast. So every episode offers you a gentle and enriching escape into the countryside and we've got a fabulous lineup for you this autumn. You can look forward to meeting the bird girl, Maya Rose Craig, and tracking down woodpeckers near her home in North Somerset or chat with star nature writer Helen MacDonald. We also talk Wizards and the Dark Ages with Detectorists and Horrible Histories star Simon Farnaby. There'll be a plethora of our usual countryside adventures and memorable wildlife encounters. Which brings me to the first episode of this series, where I'd like to invite you to come with me to a dark and secret forest in South Wales to meet one of Britain's rarest birds of prey, the honey buzzard. A while back, I learned that these almost legendary migratory raptors Red summer in the valleys of Wales, but it was a pure fluke that I discovered that the foremost authority on honey buzzards in the UK lived about five minutes from my house. So if you listen to the Nightjar episode in series six, which is brilliant by the way, you'll already have met ornithologist Steve Roberts. Steve tracks and rings the Welsh honeys, as he calls them, and back in July he very kindly invited me along to witness the ringing of some chicks in a very secret nest. Along with us came Anna Field from the Gloucestershire Raptor Group and naturalist Colin Law to share their expertise on raptors in the UK. So listen on for a truly rare and wonderful experience. So how many rings rings do you put on a bird when you ring a bird? Only one one. one BTO ring, right? a a metal ring, you know, but on these there's a colour ring as well, which is how we can um, identify the individual bird Quickly. In the future, yeah, I see. When yeah. we put the camera up, we put cameras up on nests, not on all nests, because we know us. I've, yeah. I've had a camera on this nest a, a couple of years ago. It's the same male, and he's got he's got colouring on. Right. Okay. So we know where he's come from, and he's come from only just across the way. So this is your male that's been here for a while. Yeah. 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 So he's um, a good. He's a solid male. He's got a partner. 
yeah. it's got a nest with eggs. Yeah, they know what they're doing. These, right, um, okay. So we put the camera up to try and record adults. We, you know, to see what adults, what chicks have returned as adults to breed. Yeah. And it's surprising how many we've had. Well, that's good. Yeah, so it's much ringing. And very effective. Seems to be just. You, you, you never ever find out what no. happens. No, we've started doing the same with Goshawk in Gloucestershire, mm. and we've, we've only been doing it for a few years, but we've already had a couple of good recoveries. Okay. Had one bird that was just metal ringed, but it was originally ringed in the New Forest as a chick, so seven so years ago. So I went through 30,000 photos and uh, managed to read the metal ring on it, and yeah, yeah, it was a New Forest bird, so it's a good, that's a good recovery for. So it's come all the way from the New Forest to breed in the Forest Team. Yeah. They move around quite a bit then, Goshawks. Um, well, well clearly, no, that, you know, we don't really know. There's not been enough work done on it. Really? So the stuff that we could discover through ringing and through sort of... Yeah, and we put, last year we put um, little GPS tags on goshawk as well. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Um, yeah, to kind of, so we put them on the juveniles and um, it's really interesting just seeing how much they move throughout oh, the winter. I would love that. So can you, can you see that from your phone or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So the, the, the fixes from the tags go up via the mobile phone network and then you can log in and see the tracks. And, we, you know, we tagged a bird in the Cotswolds, spent all winter, you know, going around all the farmland. You know, you can see from the time um, stamps on the fixes that it was roosting in hedgerows, you know, really what you wouldn't expect from a goshawk. So there's tons of behaviour we just don't know about because we've never had the chance to see. Yeah, well, they're such secretive birds. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that's you know, great. You don't get many recoveries off normal ringing, but by colouring them, putting cameras on nests, we're starting to understand a bit more about where they where they move. It's really interesting. So you put a BTO ring and then a colour ring. Yeah, a BTO ring on one leg, um, which has got like a unique um, number on, and then a colour ring, which is for our project yeah. so if, if if the BTO ring that's British Trust of Ornithology I should say for this, but um, that's if they're dead if you find a dead bird and you can kind of look at it up close is that right? Or yeah or if another ringer was to catch the bird I see so I've arrived in a dense um, conifer woodland forest really somewhere I've never been to down in South Wales famous sort of mining industrial area and this forestry has probably come up since the mining the trees don't look terribly old I'm on a forest track with slender, very slender tall spears of Douglas fir, western hemlock that sort of thing western hemlock actually most of this and then along the forest ride is birch I think and I'm with Steve Roberts and we're looking for honey buzzards today so you'll be climbing a tree Steve today yeah how high is it going to be it's over 100 foot right. it is an unusually high tree mm, okay. the, the nest is in it it's, a, it's an old 1920s Sitka that have grown out the bottom of the valley, so it's, it's I oh, mean, okay. most honey nests are about 50 foot. Okay, so this is a more of a challenge today. Or it, or, well, or, it's just a long way up. Yeah. The tree's okay, it's it's um, the tree's not difficult, it's a straight tree. Okay, so how many chicks do you, do you know? Well, hopefully, you? two, right? They only have two eggs, mm-hmm. or you know, sometimes you only got one chick. 
Uh, we don't know what's happening in there. We know it's going because the bird's taking food in, but we hope they are um, the right size to ring. They're not too small. And okay, so whatever. they have to be just right. You've got a little, well, wi- a little there's window. A big, there's a big window to okay. ring them in, but you can't do them if they're too small. Okay. And then, you know, they, they're pretty good honeys. They're, like, um, they're quite docile. So would you have to kind of, if the female or the male is there, will you have to, they will just leave you to Last it, year when I climbed to do them, the female stayed on the nest when I was, there's the nest by there, I'm here, female was there with her wings out like that. Yeah. And I took photos of her. Hello. Hi, Carl. Hello. Sorry about that. That's all right. No, it's all right. It was a, a pig, wasn't it? Hello. Colin is my my, my main my mate down here doing my uh, honey busting. I do most of the work. He just comes along and finds the nest and t- gets the glory. That's the way it works. Yeah. And we noticed how everybody's singing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. becoming a bit of a theme. The same thing. <laughs> you start to wonder whether there's something going on, don't you? Yeah, but yeah. See, when I was with my 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 real good mates, the climber never carried the bag. That was the that was always the. That's the way of it, is it? Right. You know, they were all other climbers, you see, which is... So we have a fallen tree across the forest track, which we have to somehow clamp through. And Steve has distributed his kit amongst us. So we're descending a very dark, narrow woodland path. You'd have to be in the know to know that what was down here... Yes, of course. I mean, Steve's amazing. Obviously, the more growth there is, the less chance of other people finding this track. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a rainforest down here. It's a completely different um, atmosphere. Yes. Somewhere in all this. Thank you. Thank you, Rana. You can see something white in there. I might see a bird on it in the other way, she's, she's usually on it. It's, a, it's at this yeah, central yeah, yeah, yeah. tree here. Yeah. We've got two anyway, Carl. Carl? Yeah? We've got two anyway. We can see them. Two yeah. checks out. Good. You want to go, are you going? You've got to go down over me. Are we open it? Yeah. I'm coming in a sec then. I'm going to have a look at it in a minute. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. You might find the females on there as well. Yeah. Is and it's there. You can just see a lump oh, okay. of sticks in there. Yeah, I got it. Oh, yeah. You can see some of so that's a hundred foot tree. I know my limits. <laughs> it's probably what forty feet from the top, thirty feet from the top. So that's the honey buzzard nest, so well hidden deep in this incredible misty. It's eight. It's eight. So Anna is setting up a scope. So I'm looking at a honey buzzard nest. In um, Sitka Spruce, which is coming out of the valley, you can see there's a bit of colour, but it's an amazing, there's a mist rising through the trees here. And I can just look up and see these towering trees coming out of the valley floor below. We're on a little hanging path. Um, I met Steve because I was working on the Springwatch project. It just so happened Springwatch came to the village I lived in. Right. And so I, I, I worked on that project for 18 months, and that's how I met Steve yeah. in the first place. Is that that big white? That is a yeah. chick, yeah. Mm. You can't even go very good. Okay, I can see that through now. Yeah, suddenly a whole load of mist has come in, which creates this lovely atmosphere, but not very. Uh, 
can't see anything. Not very good for honey buzzard spotting. Did you get many problems with egg thieves with some of the work you've done? I um, haven't come across no. it so far. Um, hopefully it's something that's dying out. Yeah, yeah. You'd hope so. So I'm just going to go down the slope to see Steve at the bottom, uh, where he's getting kitted up to climb the tree. And it's a very steep slope to get down. And that's the easy job. So we've seen the honey buzzard nest, seen the chicks on it. So he's so attuned, he could just see two chicks straight away, whereas it took me ages to see anything. Um, Cautious about what happens up there, eh? Well, you have to be, don't you? Yeah. He's surprisingly concerned about my welfare now and again. <laughs> well, we've got to do something clever working out out so you know how far down you can come. Yeah, that's got to be done, yeah. So when the... Have you been up this tree before, yeah. Steve? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they've been here third year. This. Yes. So this yeah, is this a regular really... spot for the for your secure pair of honey buzzards. Well, yes. For, if for honey the honey buzzards, they yeah. they will build a new nest. Some years and other years they will go in the same nest. Right. So okay. it really is um, potluck, and these have happened to go in the same nest three years running, but. Probably that is a bit more unusual. They yeah. tend, to, tend to move around more. It makes life a lot easier well, if you, you go in the same nest because all you've got to do is stand down there saying, yep, they're, they're, they're back. And they're probably in the same nest and even they're not, you know, they're within a, not far. But, um, but this, you know, they do move about a lot. This pair was a long way down the valley. They've been yeah. several miles away mm-hmm. from one year yeah. to the next. So there's, a, there's an extensive amount of forest here. Yeah, there, yeah. How old is this woodland? Uh, this. this this stuff is 1920s. Right, OK. This stuff. Uh, yeah. Usually, you know, you don't usually get trees this size. Colin, when do they come back? Uh, when do honey buzzards first appear in the UK? In the beginning of May. May, so quite late mm. arrivals. Yeah. Is that to time their broods with food? I mean, they, they, they come back in May, and, and in May they're uh, displaying, pairing up, mm. working out where they're going to nest and so on. They build the nest, then lay end of May usually, sometimes, mm. sometimes earlier. Yeah. <coughs> and then they disappear for a month. While they're sort of hunkered yeah, down. Because they're, I mean, they're, they're secretive birds at the best of times. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. And when they haven't got young to feed or anything... Must remember to put it back on it. Right. Yeah. It's a crucial little bit of rope there. So the females on the nest most of the time. The male just loiters about as long as they've got enough food for themselves. Yeah. And what do they eat generally? Oh, in the spring they eat frogs a great deal. Often, so when they're displaying, they often fly about carrying something, the males. Yeah. Carrying something as, a, as an offering, presumably, to yeah. see how clever I am, catching all this food. And that's very often frogs. And then um, now it's uh, it's wasps' nests, they so up, and the chicks eat, eat the grubs. Right, okay. So the honey thing is really because they. Well, in uh, apparently in um, 
uh, Africa in the summer, they um, they uh, do the same to various bees. Oh, I see. Okay. So raid nests to eat the Street grubs, not, grubs the, not the honey. Yeah. Yes. Just just to, just for clarity for the. <laughs> yes. Yes. They don't eat honey. I don't. No. They don't eat honey. You may as well start reading a short novel. Yes. Uh, okay. Take a while. Well, I, I'm commentating. <laughs> Steve has spiked. Another foot high now. Yeah. Just an enormously long way to go by the things. Steve's got really his. And he's getting no, I've just spiked boots. I've got an adapter thing for my phone, so I can leave it recorded, not breathing. This is the sound of Steve climbing the tree. Is she on there? I think so. I can't. I can't really make it out, but I think she's on the bit by the trunk. There's something moving in there that's not not fluffy anyway. I've left my phone recording it. By September, my neck oh, yes. <laughs> is killing me. Gets the winter to recover. How many, tr- how many trees do you climb then, Anna? Oh, not, no, not no. very many. No. no, no, only if I can't get anyone else to do them. Oh, OK. <laughs> Steve's not available for lumberjacking. Am I there yet? Yeah, very close. Sorry. Sorry? I bet this bird's thinking, oh, not this again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I can just see one chick, you know, stretching its wings around. I think I can see the second chick from here. Yeah. You can see the... Yes, that's quite clear. You can see two big fluffy white chicks. Yeah. Steve is shooting up the tree like a greased weasel. I can't imagine the, uh, ever doing anything like this. So, so Steve has basically got a steel cable connected to his harness, which he has then looped around the tree trunk. And as he climbs up, one foot after another. He moves that cable up. So he's got sort of three points of contact. And he's got a secondary rope, which he also ties around. So he's got acts as a as an extra level of safety. And as he's climbing, the chicks have stood up in the nest. So do you think the adult isn't there? No. I can't see it. No. How much disturbance does this do to the chicks? Is it, I mean, obviously, it's a long-established practice ringing chicks on nests. Yeah, I mean, well, once Steve's up there, he'll lower them down, and then, you know, however, it depends on how many chicks there are, but it, you know, takes 15, 20 minutes to ring them, and they go back up. Okay. And, you know, we've put cameras on, or Steve puts cameras on the honey nests, and we put them on goss nests, and, you know, quite often the... The adults are back within minutes of us going. Right. I mean, we've had one where the adult came in while the climber was still going down the tree, so they're not. Okay. It doesn't bother them. You know, by the by, you know, by the time they're at this stage in the breeding process, they've put so much effort into it. Yeah, they're that, invested. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you think they'll be the adults will be watching from some distance away? Or? 
they might be off hunting. It's, it's hard to say. Some, sometimes they, the adults are nearby watching and sometimes they are away hunting and, you know, none the wiser. Yeah, OK. Yeah, so this is a twisty, turny forest track that's kind of very much a hidden path. Looks like mountain bikers come through here occasionally. And there's a sort of dappled light from the deciduous trees covered in moss, absolutely smothered in moss. Uh, there's moss and ferns, rhododendrons throughout the forest floor. And then these huge Sitka spruce down in the valley. Now, and here a busy road below. So not far from civilization. It feels like a place abandoned by humans. Circling over there. Oh, I see her. Yeah, she's going to. Wow. Ain't a buzzard, is it? No. There we go. He's perched. Just see a silhouette. You never hear them, except yeah. under yeah, these yeah, no, conditions. No, really? Okay, yeah, you know, you never ever heard one problems. just flying about and mm, calling. Yeah. It's a proper whistle. It's yes. kind of, yeah. oh. Did that one come off the nest? Oh, you know, we not didn't sure. see it. We didn't see one on it. Oh, that's amazing. It's quite rounded wings and a long tail. It's a proper rainforest day, isn't it? It really is. Yeah. <laughs> it's got that heavy kind of yeah. atmosphere. Yeah. Still calling. What are you doing? Go away. That's what it says. Yeah. <clears throat> this you never forget it, do you? Once you've actually heard them call, you never You can listen to as many as you like on, you know, YouTube and things, but it's when you actually hear it in person, it's three dimensional it goes sound. in your head yeah. and it doesn't come out of mind. Yeah. I can hear more distant calls on this that you might not be able to pick up with the human ears. Something else over there, isn't there? Yeah, there's another bird calling. Young yeah, maybe that's, that's what it is. Yeah, it's a bit more insistent. Yeah, it's a fantastic call, that, isn't it? It's, it really works in this strange world. Yes, as that's well. right, yes. A banshee. Yeah, yeah. 
First bag on its way. With the honey buzzard chick. I'm going to get right. Careful. Up again. You need, to up. you need to swing it. Swing it to you. Uphill slightly. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, That's it. it. That's it. Well, you don't want them to get caught and then drop. No, no, no. Absolutely. They haven't flown yet. I want their first flight to be straight down, so they're in the little brown, little green rucksack. Yeah. Appropriate social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we all follow government guidelines on social distancing here. So, oh, it's, a, it's a blue rucksack. It's green on there. Oh my goodness, there it is. A little honey buzzard chick. Well, it's not so little. It's about the size of a kestrel. So. That's bigger than a kestrel. Yeah, it's that, that's bigger, is it? Three and a half weeks, something like that. Yellow claws, yellow beak, black tipped yellow beak, and mottled. Yeah, this one's a bit younger, it's got less feather development. Right, ah, so both, both chicks in one package. They're very docile, aren't they? They're quite right. accepting of their... 66, yeah? Yeah. Yes, they're docile. They... Yeah, they accept their fate. Yes. Uh... Well, they don't know anything else, do they? No. Unlike <clears throat> well, because some birds aren't like that at all, are they? <laughs> no, Falcon screaming and shouting, yeah. Are they very uh, feisty? Much more Fal feisty. falcons. All the falcons yeah. So hawks and buzzards and less... So the rings are put on with a sort of circular plier, which is being done very delicately. So a ring goes on each leg. And one is a BTO ring and one is a colour ring, is that right? Yes, yeah. with letters on. Yeah. Now I'm measuring the wing span. The wing, wing length, wing and then length. this you can work out how old they are from ah, this. OK. It's... Um, it's a Welsh ruler that reads purple. <laughs> a guy on the continent whose name Steve would tell you. Bulls, that isn't it, but it's something like that. Did a lot of work probably 20 years ago now, I'm not sure. Monitoring nests and he'd climb the. 170. Climb the tree, must have been smaller trees. Every day, I think, some of these nests would really? measure the wings and so on, <clears throat> and then they could see how So that's how you've got this sort of chart. Of well, they do it with falconry birds as well, don't they? So mm. they've got a bit oh, more I see. So got sort of captive. control over yeah. mm. how old, you know, so they know exactly how old they are. And interestingly, the, um, the, nests, yeah. the nests that they climbed regularly like that in order to monitor the chicks survived better than ones that they didn't climb every day. Would you say that's because they've kept the predators away? Possibly. Yeah, yes. How interesting. Yes. So actually, anyone saying, hmm, this could be disturbing the birds, actually might yeah. be providing a beneficial... Reverse, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a bit, aren't they? I didn't expect them to. Did you say grabby? Well, they, they, they hang on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of um, raptors, they do that, raptors. 
not run there this one. Yeah, that's why he's actually in that way. Those are just the right age, aren't they, for ringing? Perfect. Exciting. So we are now latest July. Um, how many more weeks in the nest do you think for these guys? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. I'd certainly be flying about in three weeks, I would yeah, think. Fledging, but, um, yeah. So August fledging. Yeah. It's sort of like a spike. Is it his tongue coming out? Yeah. yeah. His tongue. The wasp comb is very important for the um, for the chicks. They, they ad- in a bad wasp year, the adults can feed them on frogs, mm. but then the adult has to tear it apart. That's a tiny even tumor. even after they get to this sort of size. Yeah. Whereas with the um, with the wasp comb, they just give it to them and they're able to pluck the um, the grubs out. So um, so the bones of a frog are too. Well, you've got to tear a frog up into little bits to yeah, feed it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas with grubs, you haven't got to. No, 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 that's a nice little taste yeah. package. Yeah. yeah, it's only when they're really small that the, um, that the adult has to actually feed them. One chick is a lot small, lot larger than the other. It's probably only a few days difference, okay. I don't know, three or four days difference, something like that. So it's had that three or four days feeding. Because the, the females are a bit bigger, aren't they? Yeah. I think. But I'm not sure I'd have to look at... Um, but the feather development should be... Yeah, a little, a little. Can you sex them? Are you able to? Yeah, yeah. Oh yes, the yeah, the feather lengths to weight is what I'm telling you. Seven sixty. I don't know what an adult weighs, but I guess they're both. Steve did a paper in the um, you know, British Birds, yeah, four or five years ago, which um, which I'm there as a co-author. Really, he did most of the work. I, I'm a mathematician, so I did oh, yeah, okay. checking the statistics and all. And all you're, that a da- sort of you're a data man. You're yes. A, yeah. Yes. Um, oh, oh yes. Yeah, so we put we try and put a camera on on a new nest. Yeah. Um, and and try and read the rings. Sometimes it's difficult. Uh, some of the early rings we put on, or even before my time, um, the they weren't very well made, and the the, the plastic. Has deteriorated, you know, plastic, With all the some plastic's done. Yeah. So, so the way they make them is there's an outer, there's two layers, mm. and you've got a hole in the outer layer, which, which, so you can see the white. Oh, usual, see. So it's a, maybe blue with a white background, mm-hmm. and you can see the white through. But then a lot of them, the the outer colour has degraded and bits fallen off, so it's very difficult to read them. And so sometimes, even with the camera on, we have great difficulty. Now, is that a B or is it an 8? Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. But these <laughs> ones <laughs> change between white and black and white ones, and they're a lot better. And are, are they made of plastic? They're not made of plastic, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes, so they, they, you have to you sort of spring them out, and mm-hmm. you see. You unroll it, basically, the foil, unroll it and feed it around. And it has no ill effects on the birds? It's not as far as... <clears throat> I think there's been a huge amount of... Certainly on the, the metal rings. Mm. And, and it's a very common practice putting colour rings. You don't always have letters on. Sometimes they just use it <coughs> on a lot of seabirds and so on for identifying the sort of year. And, yeah. and so you use combinations of sort of yellow Hello. or black or whatever. Yeah. So the birds are going back up now. That was a quick operation. And, uh, go back up to the nest. Up there. 26 metre 
But ones like this that just arrive back in the spring and are straight in to the nest, we basically just assume that it's the same pair it was last year. Yeah. And there's no messing about. Because they know their nest, no other birds yeah. are going to come and use that nest. <laughs> Can't guarantee that's the case, but... Oh, they're back. The honeys in the Cotswold, there aren't any honeys as far as there probably isn't enough forestry really, is there? No. I didn't, no one's looking. No, that's the only thing. <laughs> Trying to learn a bit about them. So they need dense forestry, do they? Is that large there? areas or near to large areas. It doesn't of have to be dense no. No, forestry, okay. no, but large Extensive. tracks of, of mixed, preferably. I mean, this valley, I think, is ideal because you've got the areas like this, you've got big old trees, you've got. Wet ground frogs, yeah. Uh, so frogs chunks are, of deciduous, and frogs they're, they're are very important in the spring. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I didn't know yeah. that. That's interesting. Yeah. So the woodland is, yeah. So it's offering food and shelter. Is mm. that the kind of the main thing? But it's um, so it's on its way down now. But how steep does it? You know, you've got an area like this. Looking mm. for nests like that. Just, <laughs> half the time, this one's easy to see this year. Half the time, he finds a nest, and when we go there to look at it, I can hardly see it. Never mind, know what it what it is. So, do you do some of the scouting as well, sitting in the vantage points and looking? Well, that's that's what I do basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, can that involve just sitting and watching for hours on end? Yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> How do you sort of keep your sort of attention? You, it's um, you, you can't really sit with a book. You've got to keep looking. No, no, no. You, you can't sit with a book. No. It's you, you, you go into a sort of it's not a trance, but you, you you sort of go into a mode where where you know that's just all there is. You're looking. So really, quite mindful, you know, maybe. You know, quite sort of relaxed. Yeah, sort of meditational. Really, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I can see the attraction of that. But a huge amount depends on whether you know there are birds. Mm. Right. I mean, somewhere like this down the bottom, you 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 know there are. Yes, you know there are birds there. So even if you um, you might have to wait a couple of hours and, and still not see anything, you know there are birds there. Yeah. So if you wait long enough and you watch, you know. But um, when you go somewhere, like a few years ago, we had some much nearer us seen mm. birds, an odd bird, and actually a pair at one stage. Um, and I spent days and days. Coming down like a rocket now, absolutely. One of the things he has, while they were measuring the road, was to make sure you're doing this, you don't run out of up rope. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see. Which has happened to people, they get, you know, runs out of rope there and you fall 20 feet. Which is not it has happened. Yeah, not Steve. He's just is very pleased to see Steve again. Well done, oh, Steve. You've got to attach yourself back to the tree and climb down with the irons, which is not yeah. very easy. Yeah. Yes, I see. It's it's harder coming down than going yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, that was an absolutely amazing bit of climbing. I dug in a bit. That. So. Steve, you were saying some nice things about the nest that it's got a, a oh, range. Just, we, we always record what yeah. what it's built from, yeah. what it's lined with. 
and uh, some prey that you know whatever's in it. A brown comb is common wasp. Brown comb. A grey comb could be any one. Of which colour did you say? Uh, buff comb. Yeah. You said buff. Yes. Yeah. Buff brown. So they. Yeah. Yeah. When that's coming down, I Don't say you've left one in there. No. There's a um, feather each through. Oh wow. And there's a peg. It's <laughs> got nothing to do with it. <laughs> Don't know why that's doing it. Right. That's that's what's that? What's that? Yeah. I want to know is what that, that is. Is that older? It's not some sort of older. No, it's not. I think older. it is because it's a funny yeah. colouring. Yeah, it's not. It's not beach. It's, it's older. No. Yeah. Is it older or is it some sort of willow, goat willow? Or... No, maybe. You are yeah. one, one each. Oh, bless you. There's a feather each there. If anybody likes mementos. <laughs> Um, well, I'd love a feather. There you go, you have the feathers. Can you see how distinctive yeah, yeah, they are? Amazing. The feathers are well, close. Be... They're very. The demarcation between the brown and the white is quite mm. abrupt, which you don't see on a common buzzard. Yeah. Well, she's she's molted a couple of tail feathers, so I was having a look for them. But, um, yeah, is that what you were doing down there? Yeah, Just yeah. Any yeah. common in No, I can't see any. Yeah. And were they. Um, Fed and I can't, you know, were they the size that you'd expect them? That they're, they're doing behind, well. They're, they're behind what they were this time last year. We were doing everything the same time as last year, right? And they're a week, a week later. These are, which is a bit odd when you think of the summer we've had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you all going to survey another area today? Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So, and that's that's what you're talking about. The sort of, yeah. And you haven't looked at that area this year. Or? Not not directly. No. Okay. Um, we've been to an adjacent area. Mm. Once they start, if they were feeding chicks, uh, you don't really see them very much. They don't, you know, they don't mess about. The, the bird will come out, fly away, and come back. It's very often you'll see them going out, and then you think, right, I can see where it came from, more or less. I'll watch carefully, and uh, then obviously, because coming back, of course, is what you need, because then you can see where it goes. I see. You see them coming out, before you see him flying about and you've guessed actually that it's just come out um, I gotcha. so you try and watch them just find, see a bird coming back, but then the next thing you know two hours later there it is flying out again <laughs> or even an hour later so hunting honey buzzards is quite a it's a lot of time and concentration needed for well, certainly, yes Yes. And you've got large areas to cover. Yes. So potentially there could be another pair somewhere in this huge... Oh, yes. Yeah. It'd be nice to think there's a sort of hidden population. Well, not hidden, I'm sure you'll, you'll hunt them out, but uh, nice to think there's more than that one pair in this. The other thing you don't really understand is why they don't spread. Because every year... Well, virtually every year they breed here, and as often as not, they two chicks. Um, so why haven't they spread into the adjacent areas? Yeah, and created a more stable population. Yes, we do. We are right on the edge, well, right on the edge, but they breed up in Scotland as well, or have done. But they, it seems they don't like crossing the channel very much. Really? Okay. Well, well that's a guess, you know. Yeah, that, well, that's yeah. obviously a barrier then to them. If you go across to France and they're all over the place. Yeah. Britain is. 
It's a relatively common bird and yeah. it's coming to a little stream. I suppose being such a specialist, their food is quite specialised that they, they have to migrate in order to yes. find a sort of year-round supply of insect larvae. Yes, yes. Yes, if you're a peregrine, you catch pigeons, they're here all the time. Yeah. You're a... A kestrel, you live off a bowl, which are more difficult to find, but they just move down into the... Um, you know, tend to be down to the lower area around the coast. Yeah, I so, so it puzzles me about ospreys, why they... There's a ready supply of food year-round. Yeah, that's true. How do they find a wasp nest? They sit on forest paths and roads, you know, and just watch workers. Do they? Just sit and follow. And, and then if when a worker flies by, they'll yeah, sail off after it and follow it until they can... Track it back to the nest. Well, it's incredible. So they, they can keep, they've got such sharp eyesight, they can keep track of a yeah. little tiny insect. Mm. And they, they're unusual birds in that they both share incubation. Yeah. So lots of birds of prey, the male brings food for the female and provisions her. Honey buzzards don't, they get their own food. And the male will incubate for six, seven hours. And during that period, I believe what the off-nest bird is doing is locating wasp nests. Right. Not raiding them, because not eating them then, they're eating mainly frogs then. Uh, they oh, locate see, wasp so nests, which are still quite small at mm. that stage, in, in June. Yeah. And then by the time they need them, when they've got chicks in... July and August, wasp nests have expanded, you know, exponentially, but they, but they know where to go. That's clever, so they can remember, like a, like a jay with acorns. That's, that's what I think. Yeah. I mean, you've got to remember it's all supposition, but... Yeah, but well, it's still down there, there's so much that isn't known yeah. about the behaviour of buzzards and buzzards. When we put cameras on this, and it's bad weather, the adults are going off and coming back with wasp nests too quickly to have to have just gone and located one. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And gone off and got it. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's so like as if they must have known where it was. It makes sense. So just watching two pair of honey buzzards displaying, displaying over the woodlands, and um, they came out very level. They've just been flying around each other. They're not the nesting pair. And they've just been soaring around our heads a few hundred metres up, but it's been fantastic to play. And they've slightly more rounded wings, slightly narrower tails. One of the things to watch for is that you can hardly see the bodies. Particularly inside the body, they're almost invisible. Yeah, well, as for a common buzzard, you, you, know, you get these great. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's great. The sun came out. And we saw soaring buzzards. Soaring honey buzzards. A 
that's the truth here. Spectacular finish. Another dip behind the ridge. Well, that's the crowning moment of the day. Ringing, buzzard chicks, seeing a female above the woods, and now two pair of honey buzzards soaring over the, the woodlands. Uh, Showing about the car traffic, finals. It's all swallows and Fantastic. Nice. That was brilliant. Thank you very much for letting them out of the cage. So. Right, I tell you what, when you've seen that, I'm going to leave it. Yeah, I'm going to head back, but thank you so much. That's okay. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. The sheer beauty of that pair of birds gracefully dancing over the forested valley was a magical ending to a day I'll never forget. I'd like to say a heartfelt thank you to Steve, Anna and Colin for sharing their stories and expertise and allowing me to get under their feet. We are lucky in Britain to have so many dedicated people like them working hard to protect our wildlife. I so hope the honey buzzards do well and start building up their numbers in South Wales. They are spectacular birds and our lives are made all the more fulfilling by their presence. Plus, they eat wasps. So if you've enjoyed this episode please leave us some feedback and ratings on whatever podcast provider you use. You can also contact me, Fergus Collins, on my magazine email address, which is editor at countryfile.com. I love getting your emails about the podcast, and I will certainly reply. Plus, there's a chance we will print your email in the magazine. Join us next week for a memorably delightful day's birding in Somerset's Chew Valley with bird girl Maya Rose Craig. But for now... You've been listening to the BBC Country Farm Magazine podcast, produced in Bristol by Jack Bateman. Thanks for listening, and goodbye.